Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Today is the last day of our WTMJ Pass the Turkey contest. Just looking at my numbers, boy, we had about 300 turkeys come in in just the last day or so. So a couple people waiting in at the end. That's great. Again, uh, we, we cut it off this this evening. So if you have not donated yet, please, and you can find it in your heart to do so, do that. And, again, thanks to everybody, at least associated with uh, my show, who's been you know donating turkeys. Like I said, about 300 just in the last day or so. So very much appreciate that. We have a lot of grounds to cover on today's program, so let's get started. Last Friday, of course, the whole area was transfixed with the report of a shooting at Mayfair Mall. Right before I was getting off the air, about 3 o'clock, you had reports of shots fired at Mayfair. It turns out now that the shooter, at least allegedly, was a 15-year-old. He was at large for the better part of a day and a half, ultimately arrested. They have also arrested two other people in connection with this. Uh, eight people injured, seven adults, one juvenile. Thankfully, nobody killed. Uh, but still, any time, as we often say when it comes to shootings, Anytime somebody is shot, it is but for the grace of God that they end up, uh, again, back out on the streets or you end up in the emergency room instead of in the morgue. So very, very big deal. Now, one of the things, we're now starting to talk about this on Tuesday afternoon, we have very few details that have been released in connection with this. And the real reason behind that is because the shooter is 15 years old. And in Wisconsin and in many states, we bend over backwards to protect people under the age of 17 who commit terrible crimes. Now, it appears that what's happening now is this case is in, is in juvenile court. And in juvenile court, all the records are essentially sealed. You don't know the name of the perpetrator. You don't see the background of what's going on. You don't get the facts alleged in a criminal complaint. The public essentially really doesn't know what happened. Now, the word is that the district attorney's office will be moving to waive the 15-year-old shooter into adult court. But that hasn't happened yet. And... The attorneys for the 15-year-old will, in fact, be able to, to fight that. On the one hand, you have a very, very serious crime. Uh, eight people could be dead. They're not, but eight people could be dead. On the other hand, you have, at least allegedly, a 15-year-old who, who did this. So the fundamental question, I think, as a starting point is, is this the type of crime that a 15-year-old should be moved to adult court to face charges and be treated as an adult? Or do you leave him in the juvenile justice system? Now, what happens if you stay in the juvenile justice system is the most that can happen to you, essentially, is that you can be declared delinquent, and worst-case scenario is if you're found 
delinquent because you shot eight people, you can be kept in juve, some sort of juvenile detention facility for you know a couple years till you turn 18. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this the type of crime for which a 15-year-old should be moved into adult court? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My answer, I think it's a no-brainer. Of course, this is that type of situation. Part of the problem I think we have in Wisconsin and big picture overall is the fact that you have younger and younger people who are engaging in incredibly antisocial and dangerous sort of behavior. This isn't this isn't even a car theft. This isn't even a, hey, we're going to go out and, and break windows or TP houses. This is, if the allegations are true, somebody who walks into a big department store or in the vicinity of a department store and starts indiscriminately shooting. And like I said a minute ago, it is but for the grace of God that we have eight people injured in a shooting as opposed to eight people or more who are in the morgue. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. For people who engage in this sort of behavior, should age matter? Should we treat the 15-year-old as an adult? My answer would be, you betcha. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, he had a gun. He should not have. Of course, he should be waived to adult court. He should know better. I have nieces and nephews under the age of 10 that know this is wrong. He should be locked up for a very long time. Jeff, charge him as an adult. My son got away with too much as a youth, never learned a lesson, and now most likely will serve time in the next couple years because of the revolving door criminal justice system. Jeff, if a person can do the crime, adult court is the right choice. You need to send a message to other would-be minors considering shooting other people. Jeff, the Mayfair shooter should be treated exactly the same as Kyle Rittenhouse, tried as an adult, same bail. Now, Rittenhouse is different because he's 17 years old. Also, if the charges were attempted first-degree murder, um, that would automatically result in him being waived into court. But that, that's not, I don't think that's what the charge is that they're, they're looking at, at least right now. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Mike in Brookfield. Mike, you're first. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. Uh, due to the seriousness of the crime, he should be tried in adult court. My question is, if there's some possibility that he's tried with juvenile court, can they try him in adult court once he turns 18? No. No. No, it, 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 this will be – no, thanks for the call. No, I mean, you get you get one kick at the cat on, on this, one way or the other. So what will happen is my understanding is – the, the char- that's why we don't know any of the details, because we bend over backwards, like I say, to protect juveniles, regardless of how antisocial and dangerous the behavior is. So if the case stays in juvenile court, 
we probably won't ever get a lot of the details with regard to what happened. If he's waived into adult court, then what happens is it, it all becomes public, etc., etc. Now, please understand me. I, I understand that there is a difference between a, a 15-year-old and, say, a 35-year-old with a lengthy criminal record. And, and to me, that's where you start to take into uh, account maybe differences in age and differences in mental capacity and things like that, which is to say that maybe the, the sentence, assuming somebody is ultimately convicted, Convicted, the sentence that you come down with with somebody who's 35 might be different than somebody who's 15 who commits the, the offense. But that doesn't mean there shouldn't be a degree of accountability. Also, if you're 15, what people need to understand, even if you're tried as an adult, that doesn't mean all of a sudden you get convicted and at the age of 16 that they send you off and, and they put you in Wapan. What happens is you'll spend the first couple years in a, a secure detention facility um, around juveniles, and then you kind of rotate into the, the more serious prison once you turn 18. So there, e- even if you are tried as an adult, you are not necessarily treated the same way as an adult perpetrator would. But when, when you shoot eight people, I, I, I'm sorry, we need to say as a society that you know, just because you're 15 years old doesn't mean you get out of, a get-out-of-jail get card free. Later on in today's program, I want to talk about a report that they had on Channel 6 a couple days ago, which is almost mind-boggling. They interview some 17-year-old that's been stealing cars since he was 12, and he brags about it. He brags about what a game it is, and he also brags about the fact that you can do this around here, and there's never any sort of accountability, and all the juvenile know that. 855-616-1620. Jim in Milwaukee. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Jim. For the most part, I agree with you. I, hi. Thanks for taking my call. For the most part, I think um, I think you should be tried as an adult. But I do believe if there was some kind of extreme circumstance, like you said, we don't know the facts, but if this kid had been, if he felt in fear of his life, and that's why he was carrying the gun, and he had been being tormented by these other individuals. <clears throat> you know, possibly then, and he had, if he has no priors, possibly then he should stay in juvenile court. But the seriousness of the crime, I, I have to steer in the direction that he should be tried as an adult. Um, well, thanks for calling. I mean, I guess, I guess there can always be extenuating sort of circumstances, but... You have you have somebody who goes to a let, let's let's look at the facts in the light most favorable to the shooter. You have somebody who shows up at Mayfair Mall shortly before three o'clock in the afternoon and gets in the middle of it appears he precipitates a, a gun battle um, and a number of innocent people get shot in connection with that. I think, I mean, again, we, we don't know all the details because this is a juvenile court and the police aren't releasing it, but there are some people that I, I think he was associated with, uh, whether it's a rival gang or whatever, but there's other innocent bystanders that end up getting shot. So, I, again, I, it's difficult for me to look at this and think that there's going to be any sort of extenuating circumstances which are going to justify it. Plus, then, the kid runs he he's a fugitive for the better part of a day and a half and then they ultimately catch him late saturday night no no matter how you cut this it seems to me that you have somebody whose behavior 
rises to a level that you need to treat him beyond the bounds of the juvenile justice system. The juvenile justice system, to me, is something that's designed for, again, people who make minor mistakes. All right, you, you do that, that stupid thing when you're, you're 14 years old, and you just don't really appreciate the consequences of what that is, and, and you want to give somebody another chance. All right, that, that's okay. I, I understand that. But once you start talking about, I don't know, showing up at a shopping mall and indiscriminately shooting a whole bunch of people, to me, that's not the type of innocent mistake that somebody makes. And candidly, by the, by the time you hit the age of 15, I, I think you have enough common sense to know or at least you should have enough common sense to know that if you walk into a major shopping mall and start opening fire, um, there's going to be consequences. Jeff, this minor is 15, carries a loaded gun and starts shooting. I think it should be adult court, eight attempted murder charges. Um, Jeff, according to TMJ, this was a dispute between two parties, which means he brought that gun with the intent of using it. There are no special circumstances. I think he should be tried as adult. Jeff, he needs to be tried as an adult. If Wisconsin had a death penalty, I guarantee you incidents like this would all but vanish into thin air. Well, no, this would not be a death penalty situation because he didn't kill anybody. Now, again, like I said earlier, it's but for the grace of God that he didn't kill anybody. But so this would not be a, a death penalty sort of situation. Jeff, I think he should he should he had a gun. He should not have wave him into adult court. He should know better. Um, lots of people know this. So, I mean, here's what the DA's office has to wrestle with. You know, what do they do? My understanding is they're going to try to put him into adult court. This is one where, at least in my opinion, it's a no-brainer. He should be waived into adult court, and he should suffer the consequences. The consequences to Mayfair Shopping Center are going to be huge. You know, we talked about this a little bit on yesterday. You know, what what is this going to do for people who now do not feel safe going to the shopping center. And it's like I say, I mean, I watched the demise of Northridge, you know, a number of years ago, and it started with a perception that Northridge had become unsafe. Well, all right, you now have, I don't know necessarily a perception, but you start to have this reality. If you don't think that you can walk into Mayfair Shopping Center at 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon without having to get locked down or running for your life, lives in a, in a hail of bullets well okay if you don't believe that it that you could be safe doing that not a lot of people are going to choose to be shopping at mayfair shopping center and that's the last thing that wauwatosa needs it's the last thing that mayfair needs and yeah i don't care if you're 15 or 55 when you engage in that sort of behavior you need to be held accountable period back with more in just a minute welcome back to jeff wagner on wtmj So very glad to have you with us. All right, I want to revisit something we talked about in this hour of the program yesterday, and it's sort of the logical extension of what we were just discussing. Shopping malls are fragile. And what happens is, if you want to, I mean, let's look at the reality now. First of all, you have 
the the threat to brick and mortar stores that are that's posed by the internet. I mean that that's been something that's been there for a long time. This year, you, you've got COVID nineteen, you've got the pandemic, and we're told by government officials, you know, don't go out. We're told to shelter in place. So that's another disincentive to go and be around large groups in in the holiday times. Now, on top of all that, you have the situation that happened at Mayfair on Friday, which is not the first time where you've had acts of violence at at Mayfair. During the course of the summer, you had multiple social justice protests that broke out where protesters would bum rush through the shopping center cause it to close down. You've had other situations over the last year or two where you've had fights that have broken out at Mayfair Mall and the police have had to respond. You had the situation in February where there was the 17-year-old with the gun at Mayfair who ended up getting shot by the Wauwatosa police officer. But, you know, Mayfair has been a, a source of various issues over the course of the last couple years, and Mayfair's always managed to come back. I would argue that what happened on Friday was the most extreme example of that kind of behavior, but but nonetheless, it's not the first situation there. So in the program yesterday, we, we talked about whether Mayfair comes back to, from this. And the point I was making is that for shopping malls to succeed, what they really depend on is they depend on the, the patronage of suburban women. I, I do not mean to be sexist about this, but, I mean, again, I, I live in the real world. I, guys like me, we don't like to shop. I'm not saying they don't go to a shopping center from time to time, but I, I'm not the lifeblood of a Bayshore Town Center or a Mayfair or a Brookfield Square or whatever. If, if, when I go to stores, I'm either being dragged there by my wife or I'm going for a very, very specific purpose. I'm not somebody who enjoys walking through a mall for a couple hours at a time and, and shopping and looking at stuff. Uh, malls depend on women shoppers and particularly suburban women shoppers. When Northridge got the reputation for being violent, what happened is suburban women stayed away in droves. And the result of that is lots of stores that catered to the suburban women they ended up closing, they weren't replaced, and, and Northridge ended up circling the drain. Now, Mayfair is not Northridge. It's not Northridge with regard to location. Um, it's not Northridge with regard to the shops that are there. But nevertheless, th- this is a big deal. Now, there's a headline in the Journal Sentinel saying it's going to affect us. Um, days before the holiday shopping season, shooting at Mayfair Mall could impact future business. And a lot of the merchants are speculating on, on what Black Friday is going to look like. I mean, normally, this is the start of the big holiday shopping season. Now, it's going to be different this year. There's not going to be as many people in the stores because of the pandemic. That's just the reality of this. On our program yesterday, I was talking about how I think this is going to hurt Mayfair for the foreseeable future. And a number of people were calling in saying, you know, we, we don't think we're going to shop there. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Heard from a couple people after the show who believe that I, I did a disservice to Mayfair and that now that they have arrested the 15-year-old who was responsible for this, things are going to be back to normal. That, that you don't have to worry. We don't, we don't need to be talking about metal detectors at the door like we were yesterday. We don't need more of a security presence. People are going to quickly get over this, and they will be returning to Mayfair Mall in droves over the course of the next week or two. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 
I don't believe that's going to be the case. Now, I'm not signing a death knell for for Mayfair, but I think anybody who thinks that people are going to quickly forget about this and be flocking back into those stores uh, by this time on Friday, I think you're being naive. How big a deal is this going to be for Mayfair moving forward? Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, I'm a suburban woman. I'm a suburban woman. I'm a suburban woman and previous very frequent Mayfair shopper. I'd stayed away all summer because of the protests. I was just feeling ready to go back now for Christmas shopping after the shooting. Nope. I'm not going to be back there at all over the holidays either. All right, let's start with Katie in Burlington. Katie, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I have some pretty strong feelings about this because I lived right by Mayfair Mall. My first job was a caddy at Blue Mountain Country Club. I got married there. I know the area very well and spent a lot of time there. And I'll tell you, people have their heads in the clouds if they don't think, COVID aside, that Mayfair has gone extremely, extremely down in in quality and safety and the whole nine yards. Um, They need to start making, they need to do something fundamental to make Mayfair unattractive to these groups of people who come in. They're there to cause trouble. They're there to steal. The last time I was at Mayfair was... um, a little after college, after one episode in college, I took the bus up there from Marquette, and I'm sitting outside waiting for the bus, and I am a witness to one of those uh, drive-by stealings where the people rush right. out with a bunch of clothes and jump in a car. Um, I'd say move the bus line. It might be unattractive, but you have to have armed guards or guards or metal detectors or something. You need to limit the, the size of uh, groups of people. You know, you aren't seeing families of 25 going there all at once, but I used to enjoy that with my kids and walk around. Uh, There's no way now. So you think they need to do some drastic things if they're going to convince shoppers to come back? I do. I think they need to make it, find the ways and strategies to make it uncomfortable or unappealing for large groups of kids or young adults or whatever you want to call them to, to show up at Mayfair and to hang around all hang day out. with nothing yeah. to do but cause trouble. Yeah, thanks for the call, Kate. Well, you know, they, they, they implemented, or at least they, they gave lip service to some of these rules saying, okay, no unaccompanied minors, et cetera, et cetera. But then they never really significantly enforced that, and you'd have the one story after another. Like I said, this this has been going on at Mayfair for a while now. This is the most extreme example of this. But, you know, you, you've had other instances of shootings and fights and all this stuff coming together. And, again, there is this kind of cumulative effect that, that goes on, and, and people – People decide to, you know, shop where they want to shop. They decide to go where they end up feeling comfortable. And I guess the question is going to be, is is this the start of the end? Is this going to be for Mayfair what Jesse Anderson was for Northridge decades ago? Mark in Kenosha. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for having me. Sure. You know, I just don't get where all this fear-mongering is coming from with regards to Mayfair, because last I checked, we have uh, shootings and issues all across uh, the city, whether it's Milwaukee or or I'm from Kenosha. We we have issues with shootings, too. Uh, You're going to have those types of issues rarely, but here and there, no matter where you are, 
So I don't see where where the big scare is. It's not like okay. Wait, let me let me stop. Like let me stop you. There every week. Let me stop. You're not being serious, are you? You're just kind of making this up to get a reaction. Did you just say that walking into a major shopping mall and shooting eight people at 3 o'clock in the afternoon is really no big deal? These things happen all the time? No, 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 that's, that's not what I said. <laughs> I said you, you can't expect this to be a regular occurrence because this doesn't happen every single week. With all the people saying, oh, well, this this just means I'm not going to go to Mayfair anymore. Do you think that next Friday this is going to happen again and the Friday after that? I don't that, know. And the Friday after that? I, I, that, that doesn't I, I make don't know. Sense. I wouldn't have. But, well, no, I, would, well, I wouldn't have yeah, thought I'll, it would have happened the first time. Because, well, I wouldn't have thought I, it would have happened the first time. I wouldn't have thought it would have happened the first time. But that's but what it I'm did. saying. This, this is an outlier. And while it is possible, well, if you're going to sit there and say that, that – this is why we should just not go to Mayfair anymore because one crazy event happened. Did it happen uh, again a week ago and then two well, weeks okay. before that? Well, okay. All right, Mark. No. This is not – well, yeah, Mark. This is Now, this is the most extreme example, but you have had over just the course of last year. You've had a couple other shooting instances in the parking lot. You've had fights that have broken out. I mean, do you think that people just really seriously – don't take into account the fact that, gee, I could have been at Macy's at 3 o'clock and I, I could have been one of those eight people that was shot. You don't think people should even take that into consideration? Of course they should, and I'm not saying okay. that they shouldn't do a whole bunch. They need to do a lot more to beef up security. But what I am saying is this. If this one outlier incident is going to be the reason why you say, well, I just shouldn't go to Mayfair anymore, then I think you're being a little bit more... Uh, unreasonable than than saying. Well, why do you keep saying it's an outlier? Why do you keep saying it's an outlier incident? Why 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 do you say because it's an outlier because, incident? This is one of it's, they've had several instances at Mayfair. Over, well, yeah, okay, okay. Thanks for calling. It's a mass. Shooting, well, why, well, well, why should we real react to a mass shooting? I mean, all right, look I, again. We we want to live in this this real world. Now, I'm not encouraging people or discouraging people from going to Mayfair. People have to make their own decision. But to poo-poo this and say, oh, well, this is no big deal. This isn't going to affect people. Shouldn't worry about it because, well, this happened on Friday. What are the chances of it happening again? Well, I, I don't know. I think that a lot of people who have been shopping at Mayfair, for example, this summer, who've had to, like, shelter in the, in the different stores when you've had the different protesters that have moved through or have been there when you've had the kids running through the mall and the stores have had to close, at some point in time, you start to recognize that there is a, a critical mass that, that ends up occurring. And this idea that, well, it's just an outlier. I mean, you know, there are shootings that go on in the community all the time. Well, I, I think a lot of us change our behavior because we don't want to get caught up in, in those areas. So if you've got you know, parts of the city, for example, where they, they end up being hot spots with shootings and things of the like well yeah then a lot of us decide we have all sorts of choices we're not going to put ourselves in a situation where we could end up getting randomly shot that's the problem that occurs and that's why you just have to i think deal with this moving forward 855-616-1620 andy and big bend andy you're on wtmj good afternoon jeff how are you hi andy good what do you think well, one of the things that I think is going to make it or break it over at Mayfair is if that Apple store leaves that mall, that's going to be a big thing, especially for people in the suburbs. And I know you just said, hey, guys, don't go to that mall. If you got Apple Care on your phone or your iPad or your yeah. computer, 
that's where you got to get it fixed. And there is no other options unless you send it in. And I, think I guess I mean, but you're not, but you're not, you don't go, sh- but you know, but I'm saying by that, I'm, ta- I'm saying the guys don't go shopping. Yeah, you, you're like, yeah, you, you go to the Apple store to get something fixed. Guy, and, and, and I understand, I'm generalizing. No, but, we get dragged along you, by our wife. That's right, how that works. Yeah, exactly. You, you, right. Yeah, I got it. Right. But, but, you know, going back a little bit, I worked in a mall many moons ago as a mall security guard, and we had a radio. We had a set of handcuffs, and some of the guys carried like a little, like a mini baton type thing that you could try to, you know, subdue somebody in the store. Nowadays, almost all the stores that I'm aware of, and I know a couple people that work in retail, they're not supposed to stop anybody from shopping. They're supposed to just let them go. Yep. Yep. And, and that's, yep. that's the problem with the youth now is they know that, and they just grab what they want and take a hike and say, so what? Yep. What are you going to do about yeah, it? And the, yeah, and that's an ongoing. I mean, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. There, there's another shopping facility in southeastern Wisconsin who the, they actively encourage the merchants, to your point, not to report shoplifting. Because the, this, follow me, this was the concern. If you reported shoplifting, what happened is that generated a police report. And then, you know, the, the police reports are, are public information. And this particular shopping center was very, very concerned. We don't want people realizing or understanding how bad the shoplifting problem is. So the deal was they'd say to merchants, just just eat it. You know, we, we don't want people thinking it's unsafe to come here because if the word gets out that the theft problem is as bad as the theft problem really was, well, then people, again, it's going to be that sort of like circle the drain type of thing. And so, so we pretend that the problem does not exist again i mean here's the reality if people feel comfortable going there that's fine to call a a, a mass shooting an an outlier though to me just fails to recognize the the reality that's that's there let's talk to uh sean in bayview sean you're in wtmj uh yeah in response to that last caller um you know although the percentages for someone like him may be small for that to happen um, there's other people, including my significant other, who work at the mall, and their percentages right. are that much higher because they're there every day. So it's just uh, really extremely insensitive to uh, throw shade at somebody's fear of, of death, basically. Um, and it's funny because I mentioned this on hold uh, before you started talking about it, but the shoplifting aspect, um, I, the shooting is a is – a, is a part of a much larger social issue, um, and malls are kind of the arena for a lot of that, including shoplifting, right. where there are huge schemes to, uh, you know, steal clothes and right. sell them on Facebook right. Marketplace. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and, right. I mean, thanks for the call. I mean, and, and this is part of the underlying issue that you end up having in, in, in retail. Here's a text, Jeff. The truth is the Wauwatosa police is reporting, responding to calls at Mayfair every day. If we had any journalists left in the city, they would be reviewing the records and reporting it as such. Um, yeah, I mean, that's – look, Jeff, at what point in time does it become a nuisance that has to be closed down like other businesses? Well, I mean, I, I think what's going to end up happening is water will end up finding it, its own level. But I think here's the issue with Mayfair, and they've got to be just proactive about it. If they want to just try to take this position that this is a one-off and, you know, we we, we don't have to worry about this, nothing to see here, 
that that's all well and good, but the effect of that is going to be lots of shoppers aren't going to want to put themselves in the position. They're not going to want to take the chance that this is some sort of one-off. Now, the problem is, I, I don't know how you deal with this. As we discussed yesterday, it's a shopping mall. You can't control entrance and exit like you can, like at Fiserv Forum. I mean, you, you've got, what, tens, hundreds of doors, maybe, where you can come in and out. You can't you can't put metal detectors and staff all of those. So if you try to just only limit access to three or four doors, then what's going to end up happening is you're going to have huge lines of people waiting to get in. They're not going to do that. You can increase the police presence in the stores. And on the one hand, you can give the opinion of safety. But at the same time, I guess I think a lot of people are going to look at it and say, Okay, if we need all these police dogs and armed police officers, you know, wandering the the wandering through Mayfair to provide security, do, do I do I really want to be in that type of environment? And is it easier just to go to the suburban Target store or whatever? Not wishing ill on Mayfair, but look, let's face it, this has been a problem that's been a long time coming, and authorities in Wauwatosa and officials at the mall, I think, have been slow to respond to this because they they haven't wanted to upset some of the politically correct and the perpetually offended. And, and now the chickens have come home to roost. they got to f- figure out a way to deal with this moving forward before it ends up being too late. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, the breaking news story of the morning, and I, I'm hearing from some of you who say, Jeff, you've been poo-pooing the, the recall, the recount efforts, saying that they're, they're not going to change anything. And, and yes, I, I stand by that because I've been around Wisconsin politics for a long, long time, and I've seen statewide recounts, uh, and, and what happens is no election is perfect. And inevitably what will happen is that there will be, I don't know, votes that are, are miscounted. And, and typically what happens in, in a, a recount is there will be a minor swing one way or, or the other. Maybe they find another 150 votes for Biden, another 200 votes for Trump, or, or whatever. But it's, it's never enough to swing any sort of election, uh, particularly an election where the margin of victory is 20 or 21,000 votes. That's just kind of the reality. So part of my frustration with what's been going on in this recount is that it really, it seems to me, hasn't been about a recount necessarily, but trying to call into question the validity of the overall election. How else do you explain a lawyer for the Trump campaign in Madison walking in and saying we should throw out all absentee ballots or any in-person absentee voting engaged in, for example, how my wife and I voted, those ballots should not count because when people showed up at the clerk's office with their voter ID on the day that early in-person voting opened and showed the voter ID, they didn't fill out a written request for an absentee ballot. They just showed up, they presented ID, and they were given the ballot. And for members of the Trump campaign to argue that 
tens of thousands of validly cast ballots by people like myself and maybe you should be thrown out. To me, it's just it's mind-boggling, and all it does is just sort of foment a distrust in the election system. So that's been what my objection is. But if you want to have a recount, go absolutely fine, especially if you're willing to pay for it. So the breaking news today is that apparently, as part of this recount, they found 386 absentee ballot envelopes that were not opened. Um, And I guess I'm a little bit unclear as to how this happened. They come from one ward, Ward 315, on the city's south side. They were received in a timely fashion, so they should have been counted. And my... I guess if I think I understand what happened is they got put in one of these bins and then somebody threw a bunch of opened absentee ballots on top of them and they thought that all the ballots in there had been opened. So you had 386 absentee ballots that had not been opened and now they found them. So those ballots are in fact going to be open and they're going to be counted. So I heard from about a half dozen people saying, Jeff, don't you understand? This is the evidence. This is the fraud which perpetrates the entire election system to which I, I say, you got to dial this stuff back. As somebody who has been trying to argue for the integrity of election systems for 30 years, you've you got to know what's fraud and you've got to know what are mistakes. And I guess absent more I understand they found 386 ballots. That's not a good thing. But somebody made a mistake. To assume that that is an example of widespread voter fraud, I I think really does a huge disservice to the whole process. And by the way, my guess is when they open those ballots up and count them, it's not going to affect the margin one way or the other. It's not going to be 386 Biden votes. It's not going to be 386 Trump votes. It's going to split pretty evenly. And at the end of the day, it's not going to change the fact that Joe Biden won Wisconsin by somewhere north of 20,000 votes. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, here's an example of how the system is supposed to work. Now, as somebody who's been arguing for the course of the last couple weeks, that I I think this election was really run extremely well. But I also do acknowledge that there are going to be examples of human error. For example, you just heard the report that Eric was talking about, that they find uh, some ballots from the south side of Milwaukee, 386 ballots that had not been opened. Now, I hope people don't go nuts and say, okay, this is an example of fraud. You, you know what happens. There, there's people that are involved in this, and clearly they. I think what happened is they opened a bunch of ballots and threw the envelopes on top of the ones that hadn't been opened and, and missed them. All right, and that's, there's no excuse for that, but it is a mistake. It's not an example of let, let's try to defraud people in connection with this. Are there examples of fraud? And, and the truth is, yeah, and there's always going to be people that are trying to game the system. Will there be a situation where you have some nefarious operator who goes into a nursing home, for example, and improperly fills out some ballots from some senior citizens? Yeah, I, I, I can see that stuff like that could happen. Is that why? Widespread? Does it change the results of an election? No. If you have evidence of that, what should happen is the matter should be referred to a district attorney, and the district attorney should investigate. And if it determines that, that somebody's there violating election law and trying to commit fraud, that person or people 
need to be prosecuted. But that's not the same as saying there's this widespread fraud that's resulting in elections that are being stolen. Now, you have another example of that out in, in Cedarburg. For example, 48-year-old woman who has just been charged with election fraud. So here's here's apparently the deal. What, what ends up happening is she, the, <clears throat> this lady, is 48 years old. She, uh, the woman who she was living with, 56 years old, had requested an absentee ballot in March. Uh, the lady, the 56-year-old, subsequently passes away. So without going into too much details, so it sounds like her, her partner um, has the absentee ballot sitting around the house. Her partner has passed away, so you you can't vote. And what it sounds like happens is the lady votes for her dead partner and then submits the ballot. And, and the the authorities out in Cedarburg they caught it, which which is a credit to them. They they were able to identify that hey this is this is somebody voting on behalf of a dead person. They refer the matter to the authorities. The authorities go out and they investigate, and they determine that it was the the lady who voted cast the ballot on behalf of her dead partner, and now she's been charged with a crime. But but that's, will that happen? Absolutely. Does it happen occasionally? Yes. Does it happen enough to swing an election that's decided by tens of thousands of votes? Absolutely not. But I think it's good to highlight that from time to time because it says that you know authorities are aware that there will be people that try to game the system, and they catch things from time to time. All right, which brings me to what I want to talk about next. Uh, the president has, well, allowed the General Services Administration to begin the, the transfer of, of power. He, he hasn't conceded. As a matter of fact, today, President Trump um, forwarded, he, he went on another tweet storm this morning where he was uh, sharing tweets from actor Randy Quaid, now, Randy Quaid, for people who might be familiar with the movie Christmas Vacation, he played crazy cousin Eddie in Christmas Vacation and in the original Vacation movie. And it's really a situation of, of life imitating art because Randy Quaid is nuts, just flat out nuts. He, he fled to Canada after facing felony charges. He was deported back to the U.S. And so <clears throat> President Trump is now forwarding tweets from Randy Quaid. And that's kind of like, I don't know, using O.J. Simpson as a character reference. But, you know, Randy Quaid is calling for an in-person-only paper ballot revote. And so that's that's the movement that's kind of out there, that who cares that Pennsylvania certified results and Nevada certified results. Um, there's this kind of fringe movement out there saying we, we need to have a revote. Well, we're not going to have a, a revote. I mean, that, that ship has sailed. And I understand that there's some people who might be upset with that, but it's, it's, it is what it is. This election is over. Joe Biden is going to become the president in January. Uh, the big question now is what's going to happen with the, the Senate, and can Republicans pick up or hold one of those two Senate seats in Georgia in early January, which is going to have a huge impact on deciding how far to the left that Joe Biden can get. So th- this is just the reality. The, the fat lady, from the perspective of the election, has in fact sung. All right, but that doesn't mean 
that President Trump goes quietly into the good night. Uh, There's no question he's not going to ever concede the election. The question becomes, where does Trump go from here? Politico. Now, I, I know I said this a week or two ago. I will never, ever, ever believe the results of a poll again. I have been burned too often, and, and we just saw how, you know, in this last election cycle, pollster after pollster after pollster got it wrong. So I don't necessarily believe these poll results are accurate, but I think it is an interesting starting point for a discussion. So here's the poll that Politico released today. Uh, Politico's poll says that among, they asked the question, who would you support for president? in 2024 and here are the numbers 53 percent of the people in this poll which again we're questioning the reliability 53 percent of the people republicans and republican leaning independents said they would support president trump he would be their first choice in 2024 uh mike pence came in second he had 12 percent Donald Trump Jr. got the third highest support at 8%, and then other Republican figures, including Senators Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz, Mitt Romney, and Nikki Haley, each got less than 5% support. But again, without putting any sort of reliability into the poll, the top-line number is 53% of Republicans or Republican-leaning voters say they want President Trump to vote to run again in 2024. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you say? Is it time for Republicans to move on from from Donald Trump? Regardless of, of what you thought about the last four years, regardless about how happy you are with the results of the election or how unhappy you are with the results of an election, Do we want President Trump for the next four years to be this sort of giant shadow over the Republican Party and over the country in general, biding time for another run in four years? Or, given the fact that he's 74 years old now, four years from now he would be 78, same age as Joe Biden, is it time for new blood? Is it time to move on? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you like to see President Trump run again four years from now? And constitutionally, he can do it since he's only served one term. Um, since he lost this election, he would be eligible to run again in four years. Would that be a good idea? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My response three words I hope not because I think it's time to move on what do you think we discuss in a moment back to take your calls here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner 855-616-1620 that's the Acunet mortgage talk and text line hey coming up before two o'clock some more tough love for Wisconsin conservatives all right the question is and again there's this poll out I, you don't have to believe the poll or not I I for one will never believe polls again but the, it says 53 percent of Republicans would support Donald Trump running for election um Jeff I would love to see it because it would drive liberals never trumpers and rhinos bat you know what crazy 
Well, okay. <laughs> Only it would drive um, people who want to win crazy. Um, Jeff, um, I couldn't vote for him this time around, and what he's doing to our democracy now by undermining the election is further turning me off. He lost this time around for a reason. Further involvement would destroy the Republican Party. Um Jeff, for all that's good and holy, please, Lord, no more Trump. Uh, Jeff, um, let's see. There is no way to use your phrase on God's green earth that I could go through the fiasco of electing Donald Trump in 2024. Mind you, I voted for the man. I think he did a great job for four years, but I'm not going to put myself through what we have this past election. I just simply can't do so. Jeff, I think Trump's time is done. I'd love to see Paul Ryan come back and consider running definitely time for some younger guns in the race. Uh, Jeff, Donald Trump or not, do you think the party of old white guys wants to move on from being the party of old white guys? I don't think they do. Okay, well, my comment to that is, all right, do you see that who the Democrats elected president? I mean, who they nominated? I mean, you, you, you can't make fun of Republicans for being the party of old white guys when Joe Biden is your nominee. Just saying. Jeff, I think it's important to move on. I don't want to be one of those guys doomed to repeat history or define insanity by doing the same thing over and over over again and being surprised the results aren't different. Jeff, the GOP must move on. With all the successes that Trump had and still not be reelected, it tells you that his personal baggage makes him un electable. Jeff, I'd rather have Nikki Haley be the first woman president. No more Trump. I can't take complaining or any extra drama. Please. Okay, 855-616-1620. Rick in Lake Geneva. Rick, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, uh, I voted for Trump, but I think it's time to move on. I think we need some fresh blood in the Republican Party. Let's bring Paul Ryan out of retirement. I think he would be great. I think we could be... uh, right back up on top and you know with paul ryan i think Mm -hmm. he's the man you know i think we can win the presidential election you know that's my thought no thanks for calling see i i I appreciate that see here's here's the deal i just can't take the drama and and i think there's a lot of people that are like that out there you just it's it's been chaos for four years and i i understand that some people thrive on on chaos and the drama and we're going to fire people and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and everybody's on edge but i i think that that wore things down and i guess i look at this and say all right if president trump wasn't able to win this time around why do we think the dynamic is going to be different four years from now when he's going to be four years older and the country has has moved on? And I think the worst thing for the Republican Party would be if President Trump decided to sit there and be this giant specter um, and try to play kingmaker over the course of the next couple years. And whether it's Paul Ryan or Nikki Haley or whatever, I think at some point in time you need to see a, a new generation of people move forward. And candidly, I think we're at that point now. Mark in Florida. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, and uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I don't think the, uh, excuse my uh Colloquialism, the fat lady has sung yet in this election. It can still go illegal. It could be the, the mother of all challenges, but it could go legally still to Trump. That aside, okay, that's a long shot, but it's still possible. That aside, nobody in the Republican Party can generate Republicans to get out to vote like Donald Trump. Now, I think if Donald Trump loses this election, 
Yes, there already is a new generation of Republicans coming up. There are eight or ten of new young Republican women elected to the House of Representatives. That's a wave almost. Okay, but President Trump gets out the vote. I'm not going to let him um, tweeting bother me when the list of accomplishments in his four years is more than eight years of Obama and eight years of Bush. Okay, but let's go back to the fundamental question, Mark. Do you you want to see, uh, assuming that your, your theory doesn't pan out and that he is not returned to the White House in January, do you want to see him run again four years from now? No, and I think if it comes down to that, he will realize that 78 is too old to run for the presidency, something Joe Biden should have realized. Okay, but there is a young generation of Republicans coming up. Nikki Haley, um, Mm -hmm. this wave of young Republican women. But every election so far, and then I'll be quiet, Jeff, every election that President Trump campaigned for a candidate in the Republican Party in this election cycle, they won. Okay. Well, okay. Th- thanks for so, calling. Well, okay. Thanks for calling. Well, I got to give you some perspective here, though. Um, Republicans. It was a Republican debacle in in 2018, and in my opinion, that was largely because Donald Trump was in the White House. I, I firmly believe Scott Walker would still be the governor of Wisconsin were it not for the fact that Democrats were so motivated in 2018 that they were going to run out, and they were going to turn out, and they were going to vote against anybody who had an R after their name. And, and Walker got caught up, for example, in that, that, that backwash. Now, I will also be the first to concede that Donald Trump outperformed expectations. There, there's no question about it. He ran a heck of a race. And... and I, 70 plus million people voted for him. And so that this idea that there was some landslide and a rejection of, of the Trump campaign, that's just not true. And, and this idea that 70 or 71 million people are just Neanderthal racists, that, that's not true at all. There, there's clearly an appeal that Donald Trump has. And, and I think you have to appreciate that. The trick moving forward to me for conservative candidates is going to be you have to figure out how to keep the, the Trump voters who were energized because of him, how you have to keep a large portion of them continuing to turn out at the polls and vote, and you have to then bring back the traditional Republican voters, the suburban women, for example, that Donald Trump just turned off and and lost. That's the coalition that's there. Now, again, you you need the right candidates to do that, because I I understand that, uh, again, it's sort of a, a contrast. A lot of the suburban women that were just appalled by President Trump and couldn't vote for him, all right, the candidate that brings them back, they're going to have to have some magic to also keep the Trump people in line. Bottom line of all this is, I I think, you know, moving forward, once the election results are certified, and, and they will be, moving forward, it would be nice if President Trump would recognize that he'd accomplished a lot of stuff, but not decide that he he's going to spend the next four years running to try to regain the presidency, because I think that's going to ultimately be a recipe for disaster. At some point in time, you, you have to move on. And if you've got all the money that President Trump has and you're 74 or 75 years old, life is short. Spend the next couple of years enjoying life, not necessarily, I don't know, trying to regain the presidency. And I'm not sure he enjoyed being president that much to begin with. All right. When we come back. I want to talk about the elections, from, but from a perspective that we haven't discussed before. It will be interesting. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner.
Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Hey, today is the last day for our efforts to try to help Hunger Task Force. I think everybody knows the drill by now. Um, for the course of the last couple of weeks, we've been competing to see who can help donate the most Thanksgiving turkeys to families in need. It's WTMJ Cares. Pass the turkey. You can go to WTMJ.com to donate. You pick your favorite WTMJ show. And actually, um, some late interest in my program. Several hundred turkeys donated on my behalf just in the last 24 hours. WTMJ Cares, powered by Watry Industries and Premier Aluminum. Again, go to WTMJ.com to donate. It's been a wonderful promotion, but the, the big deal is we want to make at least Thanksgiving a little bit brighter for um, people this year because Lord knows this has been a very, very challenging year. Okay, I want to have a serious conversation. Now, during the last conversation, we had a caller from Florida who maintained that that he still thinks that Donald Trump is going to be able to come up with some way to win the election and and through legal challenges. And I guess I don't mean to throw I, I don't mean to throw to be a wet blanket on these things, but that's just crazy talk. It, it just, I'm sorry, it, it, it is. There's today Pennsylvania certified its elections, Nevada certified the elections. The truth of the matter is that President Trump lost the election. <coughs> and I understand some people don't like to hear that, but he lost the election. That, that's just, that is just the reality. I also think that as a general rule, this election was conducted in a, in a pretty good manner. Now, for people who, who think that the election was stolen from President Trump, I mean, first example I would give, if that's what the Democrats did, they did a really crummy job of it because this was supposed to be a year of a blue wave. This was supposed to be a year where, you know, you had the Republicans lose control of the Senate. Well, th- that, that didn't happen. It was supposed to be a year where you have a, a massive shift of Democrats in the House of Representatives. They lost seats. In, in state house after state house after state house, Republicans by and large picked up seats. This was, with the exception of the presidential level, this was a winning year for Republicans. So like I say, if this was some massive strategy to steal an election by Democrats, they did a really crummy job of it. That, that's just the reality. So I believe, as a general rule, this election was pretty well run, which isn't to say it was run perfectly. And, and what I think it's important to do now, moving forward, is, is try to take the, 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 the Trump dynamic out of this and the, oh, you know, we, we've got to do a revote or things like that. I'm, I'm just here to tell you that that's not going to happen. But the question becomes, have we learned anything about the election process? And, and moving forward, whether you know it, it's statewide elections two years from now or, or the next presidential election in 2024, are there things that we can do differently which would make the process even smoother? Now, again, I, I believe in the results of, of this election. And it does kind of bother me when I hear people out there trying to convince millions of Americans that the election was stolen and the results aren't legitimate because to me that undermines the whole process and that's going to come back and haunt people for elections to come. But even though I believe that the elections were legit, 
I'm going to be the first to acknowledge that some of the things that we did, uh, the way that they were conducted, can be done better. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is there a change that you would like to see made that you think would encourage or, or would make you feel more comfortable, for example, that the election results aren't being stolen, that the election is legitimate? Is there something that you would end up doing? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, I'll start this out. I do think that the system would be better if there was more standardization between states. And by that, I mean that, that the, the rules were the same. If the rules are in Wisconsin and 20 other states, absentee ballots have to be received by the time the polls close on Election Day at 8 o'clock, a rule, by the way, that I think makes a lot of sense. Well, then that should be the case in Pennsylvania and in North Carolina and in other places as well. Whatever the rules are, I think they should probably be the same. That's something that I would start off with, some degree of standardization about when ballots have to be received. Maybe there's some other ideas as well. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk about election reform. Is there one change that you think needs to be made that would increase the integrity of the election process? All right, we discuss in just a minute. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, I I believe that this was a relatively well-run election, which isn't to say that there aren't improvements. So what do you think we need to do moving forward to make the election process run more smoothly and to avoid these beliefs that people apparently have that this race was stolen or that race was stolen? Lucy on the west side. Lucy, you're first. Good afternoon. Yeah, I'll make it brief. I just want to say one thing. Count the absentees before Election Day. Wisconsin is one of only four states that doesn't allow the beginning of counting before Election Day. This is what leads to these screams that the election was stolen, so-and-so was ahead um, at 10 o'clock at night, and then at 4 o'clock in the morning, these ballots appeared. Well, the ballots appeared because they'd been sitting there ready to be counted, most of them for days and days, and Wisconsin has this very minority position law that you can't count them. I'm not saying release the results. Of course not. Right. But but it's just, it's just crazy making it leads to this distrust in these claims of fraud. It's not right. Yeah, what, what you're saying is when the ballots come in, Open them up, run them into the machine. You don't hit the button tabulating them, but you just you have them already entered, um, so that on election day, all you don't have to fool with 150,000 absentee ballots that have suddenly come in. Right. We're dealing with a system that was set up for a time when absentee ballots were very, very rare. I think that now people have gotten used to the, and the early voting is also absentee voting. It's another name for it's in-person absentee voting. But I think now that people have gotten to it because of the pandemic, that's what kicked it off. But it's very, very, very convenient. I never thought that I would convert to the early voting, but I did. Good enough. Thanks for the call, no, Lucy. I appreciate it. And, and by the no, Lucy, by the way, I, the congregation says amen. To me, this is not 
This is not a Republican or a Democrat issue. This is a, a common sense issue, and it's why so many clerks of court from all over the state uh, agree with this. And you are exactly right, Lucy, that this is something that goes back. It, it, it never used to be an issue 20, 30 years ago because there weren't that many absentee ballots. Most people showed up on Election Day and voted. And, and so maybe you had a handful of absentee ballots, comparatively, and so it was no big deal during the course of the day to to, you know, to run a hundred or a thousand absentee ballots through the machine during breaks. That, that was not a big deal. That's not the case anymore. And, and for people who haven't been following it, in Wisconsin, we are one of only a handful of states that do not allow the absentee ballots that come in to be opened and fed into the machine in advance of Election Day. To me, that makes absolutely no sense. So she's exactly right. What happens is it results in all these ballots, you know, 150,000 ballots sitting around uh, until Election Day in a central counting house in Wauwatosa or wherever. And then they start feeding them in all at once. And so what happens is suddenly in the middle of the night, you have 140,000 votes that get added to the total. And they, they tend to, since particularly since we're talking about Milwaukee County, they tend to be overwhelmingly Democratic. And so what it does is it swings the election. People go to bed thinking Scott Walker's won. Then they wake up and they find that Tony Evers has won because there's been, quote-unquote, this ballot dump. Well, I think from the perspective of confidence, and, and nobody, by the way, argues that these aren't legitimate ballots. If those ballots had been reported in a timely sort of fashion, it, it, would it change the ultimate result? No, but you'd be able to see that moving on, and I think it would inspire more confidence in the election. And, and by the way, to me, there's just no reason not to do it. I have to believe that if other states can set up safeguards, allowing them to feed the ballots into the machine as they come in, that, that we could figure out a way to do that in Wisconsin. And you're right, you don't release the, the numbers of it, you don't tabulate it, but you at least get them in the machine so that they're already processed, so then when the polls close, you, you can just go and you can just download the results right away. Ray in Sheboygan. Ray, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. I couldn't Hi, agree with you and Lucy any more than I do. The only thing I would say, we not only need to change it in Wisconsin, that needs to be across the country. Because mm-hmm. going to bed and it looks like Trump's going to win, and then you wake up and and Biden's got a lead because all of these absentee votes, that just asks for people to go, well, that seems kind of convenient, doesn't it? Right. Where did right. all those right. come from? Because it, it, it leaves the door open for that questioning. If those right. votes would have been counted along and added right away, it would have been, well, now Trump's struggling to try yeah. to keep up now so right. you would be it'd be more like okay we see how this is going and it right. makes it more believable and makes people not question it i i agree now thanks for the call i agree and that's why i tie in i i think there also needs to be standardization with when with when ballots have to be received now candidly and i've said this before i think the wisconsin law makes sense the ballots 
absentee ballots have to be returned and in the possession of the the clerk of courts by the time the polls close. Because to the point that you were just making, Ray, I I think, you know, if you allow ballots to dribble in, as long as it's postmarked, if they come in for another week, what it does, it provides, again, reasons for people to distrust the, the process. If all right, you know, President Trump is a is ahead in Pennsylvania. For, I'll just take a number. He's ahead in Pennsylvania by forty thousand votes. But then you get votes that come in on Wednesday, and now it's down to fifteen thousand. And then you have votes that come in on Thursday, and it's down to five thousand. It, it, again, it's. I'm not arguing that these votes are, are, are not legitimate votes, but what it does is it undermines the integrity of the system. And I don't think, especially given the fact that we allow people to vote, we make it so darn easy to allow people to vote absentee, I don't think it is unreasonable to say you have to have, it's your responsibility to make sure that your, your ballot gets back by the time the polls close. And if that means that you get the ballot four months earlier and you decide not to fill it out and you wait until the last minute and there's not time to mail it back, well, yeah, that means that if you want your ballot counted, you might have to get your butt up and walk down and vote in person. I don't think that that's an unreasonable thing to do, but I think it would, again, inspire integrity in the system. One of the other things that I I think on the flip side that we need to do, and, for example, in Wisconsin, this is something that the Democrats are trying to block, and they're dead wrong, in my opinion, in doing this. Uh, we've talked about this before. If you're going to allow absentee voting, what you have to do is you have to make sure that the voting rolls are accurate. So in Wisconsin, we have this system now where if, if, you, if somebody moves, if, if you change your address with the DMV, or you change your address with the post office. What happens is that the clerk of courts, the election board, is notified that you filed, someone's filed a change of address. And so then the process is the election board sends out, or the clerk office sends out a postcard saying, hey, Jeff, we've just got, they sent it to your last known address, saying we have an indication that you have moved. Now, if this isn't the case, return the postcard and we'll leave you here. Otherwise, you're going to be removed from the rolls. This makes eminent sense. And right now in Wisconsin, there's like 250,000 people who the vast majority of them, all but about 2%, have moved. And yet they're still on the rolls as showing up able to vote from where they previously lived. And the Democrats are trying to block that purge from taking place. Well, that's wrong. I mean, if you're going to have this system, what you have to do is you have to allow the system to be updated. And, for example, I guess you can come up with certain situations where, where maybe maybe it, it's, you know, you live with your sister, and, and she's moved, and so they've assumed that you, that you both moved. Or maybe it's a deal where you live in Milwaukee County, and you're trying to get out from under the wheel tax, so you've registered your car out at your parents' house in West Bend. Okay, there, there is a possibility that stuff like that might happen, but that's the unicorn. What you have to do is you have to make sure that the voting rolls are regularly updated, and the Democrats in the state, by trying to fight these purges, I, I think they just play into 
notions that there's all sorts of people who might be eligible to vote that aren't. Now, just because you're on the rolls doesn't mean you're going to commit voter fraud, but there's no reason to allow these voter rolls to be outdated. That's another change that I would make easily. Scott and Muskiko. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Happy Thanksgiving, and thanks for taking my call. Same, uh, same to you as well. What do you think? Real simple, yeah, I think there's a real simple solution. We need to have a national standardized voter ID for anybody that wants to vote. And that way you have it in the database, and it's one person gets one vote. I don't care if you're, it's early in-person voting, if it's mail-in voting, if it's same-day voting. You come in, your card gets scanned, you're given the ballot, you vote, you only get one. If you're mailing it in, you have to have a copy that goes with it. So if you did that, it wouldn't matter when you voted because everybody only gets one vote. Real simple. Um, <clears throat> could be. And thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I think that we are at a point now where st- there's a strong argument to be made for standardization. It, it's, I mean, for example, some states allow you to, reg- like Wisconsin, you, you same-day registration at the polls. Other states say you have to be registered 10 days in advance. I, I think a national commission to, to regulate elections and standardize stuff would, would be a good idea. Now, a number of people are texting me saying, Jeff, here, here's what has to happen. We, we've got to do away with absentee voting. You, you should not be able to vote by mail. And my, my answer to that is that ship has sailed. I, I, just, I think it is a convenience and the, the idea that we're going to return to, you know, no, well, we, we've always, by the way, had absentee voting. I said this the other day. For, first presidential election I voted in, I, I was in, I was away in, at college. I requested an absentee vote I, ballot. I, I voted absentee in the mail. Now, now more and more people are taking advantage of that, and I understand that the mail-in voting and stuff like that makes it more difficult to preserve election integrity. But the truth of the matter is, that, like I say, that ship has sailed. I don't ever see us going going back and saying, okay, we're not going to allow people to vote by mail. As a matter of fact, I think you're going to see more and more people taking advantage of it. So to me, the answer is not doing away with this, but let's figure out ways to make the system more solid. These are some good ideas, and this is the constructive conversation that I that I hope we have, and I hope we're able to move past that, gee, was this election stolen or, or not, to what can we do moving forward to make people win or lose more confident in the outcome of an election. Okay, when we come back, why aren't more people listening to the governor Tough love for some people who aren't going to like to hear some things I have to say, and lots more. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. All right, let, let's, let's find some good news today, and I understand we... You had the, the record number of COVID deaths in Wisconsin. Not good news at all. You have the, the numbers that appear to be leveling off just a little bit, but they're leveling off at an unacceptably high rate. But but there is some good news, and that, that's good economic news. The Dow Jones Industrials right now, over 30,000. This is the first time, if they close over 30,000, I believe it will be the first time in history. In March... Right after the, the, the pandemic really hit this country, 
stock market, the Dow dropped down to uh, about 19,000. And you know, you had people who were, figuratively speaking, wondering: Do we get out of the stock market? Do we bail? You know, what, what's going to happen? Or we're, we're going to lose our life savings? How low can it go? And the truth of the matter is, despite some ups and downs, the stock market has come roaring back. And now, like I say, it, it's over thirty thousand, and you know, headed for an all-time record high close. That's good news because I, I understand some people say, "Oh, that's just the stock market. Why should people care about that?" Well. My guess is a lot of people over the years, you you have money that is invested in the stock market. Maybe you don't own a bunch of individual stocks, but, but chances are you have money in your 401k plan through work. Maybe if you're retired, you have money in an IRA. Maybe you've been investing money in your own IRA. But the, the bottom line of this is there's a lot of average Americans. For people who think the stock market is just for wealthy people, I, I think that there, there's a naivety to that. People, I think, you know, have been investing in the stock market, again, through 401k plans and things like that for a long time. And so when that goes up, it's good for for everybody and you know even if you don't happen to have money invested in stocks right now when the stock market goes up it, it's still good because it means other people who do have money invested in stocks they've made some money and chances are they're going to reinvest that or they're going to take some money out and they're going to spend it so a, a rising tide I know it's a cliche a rising tide lifts all boats and, and that's what's going on now this is very very good economic news what's driving it today well it's been a couple things. Uh, The stock market's been going up over the last week or so because you've had two or three positive developments in the COVID area, namely that you have a a couple of the big drug companies who have appeared to be on the verge of being able to distribute vaccines. Because the truth of the matter is, and and we've talked about this before, and we've talked about masks and restrictions and all these things, we're not going to come through this pandemic until we get a widely disseminated vaccine. That's that's just the truth of it. Everything else that we're doing right now, in my opinion, is trying to... Uh, again, what I, the, the cliche is to flatten the curve. It's, it's trying to limit the number of people who get very sick. But the, the truth of the matter is COVID's not going anywhere until there's a vaccine that's widely available. So that that's the first step. So you have the information indicating that you have multiple companies that now are, are close to having a vaccine that's going to be disseminated. And that hopefully by the first quarter of next year, you know, people will be able to, particularly the people who are most vulnerable, they'll be able to get shots and they'll be able to get the vaccinations and hopefully it's going to work and that gets us closer to normalcy as we move through 2021. So you, you've got that going on. Secondly, today, I think in part because President Trump has either agreed to or not fired the GSA administrator, who's now starting to cooperate with the, the transition. Wall Street doesn't like uncertainty. And, and I think pretty much, I understand there's some people who are hanging on. We had a caller, who I respect in the last hour of the show, who still thinks that you know, maybe there's going to be some grand legal strategy and you're going to get a revote or whatever. That, that's not going to happen, at least in my opinion, it's not going to happen. And so what we need to do now is we need to figure out a way for an orderly transition. Wall Street likes to see that, and the fact that the General Services Administration is now going to be cooperating with the Biden transition team, I think contributes to that stability that people are, in fact, looking for. So bottom line is 
good news right now. The Dow Jones Industrial up 453 points. Unless there is some sudden drop over the course of the next 45 minutes or so, it's probably going to close over 30,000, and that is very, very good news. All right, Thanksgiving coming up two days from now. Health experts, both on the national level and on the state level, have been begging people not to travel for Thanksgiving. The argument is that if we are going to try to control the spread, people need to stay home. People don't need to socialize. In in Madison, they've imposed these rules that they say they're not going to enforce, thankfully, where they're telling you don't have anybody over to your house. We are not allowed to do that. Now, again, these are unenforceable rules, but even if you take them as suggestions, they're, they're motivated by this idea that don't interact with anybody, and as a result of that, you know, you, you won't spread COVID. There is an element of, of truth to that. I guess if everybody just stays in their basement and doesn't see anybody else, well, the, the chances, if you don't interact with anybody, you've got no chance of spreading it to somebody else or catching it from somebody else. So on the one hand, that makes sense. There's no question that travel is going to be less this year than it's been in, in previous years. I mean, typically, airports would be congested starting tonight, particularly tomorrow. People would be out and about, and Sunday would be a nightmare as people try to get back. Travel is not going to be as great. But nevertheless, lots and lots of people aren't changing their Thanksgiving plans, and they are, in fact, traveling. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you changing your Thanksgiving plans because of COVID? Why or why not? If, for example, you've decided to still have the big family gathering, is it because you're not concerned about COVID? Is it because everybody's taken precautions? If you're going ahead with a normal Thanksgiving, what, what is what is your thinking? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And similarly, if, if you've decided that you're not going to see anybody, you know, okay, we're just it's just going to be me and, and my spouse, and that's going to be it, what's your thinking for that? Why are you doing what you're doing this Thanksgiving? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, this is going to be a different Thanksgiving than, than before. Health experts are, are begging people not to travel. Some people are following that advice. Others are not following the advice. My question to you is, what are you doing? Why or why not? In the Wagner family, it's going to be a much more subdued Thanksgiving this year than our typical Thanksgivings, which would involve, I don't know, getting together with probably 30 to 40 family and friends. And as I've always said, uh, I've made this point before, my my son-in-law and my stepdaughter, they have a big party the night before Thanksgiving. It's been going on for 13 years. Huge party. They've had to cancel that this year. It's the smart decision. All right, how are you going to be dealing with stuff? Let's start with Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're first. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff, and happy Thanksgiving early. Same to you, sir. Uh, we usually we usually have a uh, family gathering, and we alternate uh, uh, Easter and Christmas and everything else because my wife's got a large family, so we all have one holiday. My sister-in-law is having Thanksgiving, which involves 25 to 30 people, but because of this COVID and some family members have diabetes and whatever, 
she's kind of right. called it off, and we're basically just having immediate family do their own separate thing. So it's going to be my wife and kid, and everyone else is doing their wife and kids, and uh, the whole group isn't getting together because it's unfortunate right. so, and not really nice, but uh, that's what we're doing, and uh, that's it. I don't know. And you're hoping things are better by Christmas? Well, we are still in doubt, but right. I hope so. Right, got it. Thanks for the call, Mike. I appreciate it. Chris in Cedarburg. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? Well, this is just going for our family, um, our situation. is My dad was in um, Korea in World War II, and we actually asked him. He still runs a family farm and that type of thing, and he said he wants it no other way. We're a very close family, and he said, right. you know, what are you going to do, leave me at home and, like, you know, bring a dinner you know, by he says no. He says I, I've I've gone to things. I know the risk, and he's very. I mean, he's very with the program. He wears his mask. He's social distance. He, he you know he lives independently. He says no. I I I want to be with my family. I want to have family dinner, um, and that's that's what I want to mm-hmm. do. He's an independent thinker, and and you know there there'll be precautions made, but that's right. that's what he wants to do. He deserves to, to make those decisions. Um, as long as he, you know, stays at home and afterwards and is, is you know, extra careful. Right. But, you know, he's like, you're not bringing me a TV dinner or a dinner, you know, through the, you know, giving it, <laughs> dropping it off on the step, you know. So, so how long, how big, but, how big is your gathering going to be, do you anticipate? How many people I are going to have? Six people. Six. But six. We, yeah, okay. we've already so, extended the antique table, so it's extra, yeah. extra long with extra, extra chairs, and we have outside, um, you know, a slider that goes outside where there'll be a lot of beverages, you know, beverages you know, in an ice bucket, you know, so people are not congregating right. in the kitchen where we normally would right. congregate. So, right. you know, windows will be open. And there's there's just a lot of things we're going to do differently, but, you know, the feeling is still going to be there and the food is still going to be there. Outstanding, Chris. Thanks for the call. And, again, this is, I mean, I'm doing having this discussion not not from the purpose of trying to shame people. I'm generally curious as to what people are going to do, and it sounds like, in your case, Chris, that it's a well thought out decision, and it's also not like, hey, we're having forty or fifty people over. It's this this is something that my dad wants to do, and so we're going to do it. Todd in Milwaukee, Todd, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Todd. Yeah. Oh, hi, Todd. Go ahead. Hi, uh, I work for a high-end assisted living and independent living place. And, uh, you know, quite honestly, everyone's a little sad that they don't get to see their family and everything. But they all know it's good to just stay in and, uh, you know, be taken care of. I'm going to be cooking an old-fashioned style turkey dinner with all the trimmings and everything. But, you know, we're going out of our way to make it feel as much like home as we can. And it's, it's the most important thing to do, I think. Right. So, um, so now, so do you have to work on Thanksgiving, or are you going to be at at your place of employment? Yes, sir. Yes, I will be working. I actually um, volunteered to work because you know everybody wants to be home, but I want right. to take care of people that I work for every day. So, well, I hope your you know, coworkers appreciate that. We wear all our PPE. Yeah, I hope your coworkers you. appreciate I, I, that I you're that t- stepping up. Thanks, Todd. I appreciate it. That's it. All right, let's go. we got a bunch of texts here. Jeff, um, I will not be changing my Thanksgiving 
plans. Um, Jeff, um, okay, we have completely changed our Thanksgiving plans. We usually see our two sons and their wives and families, but this year we're having just the two of us due to COVID. My husband is in the high-risk group, so we are staying home. That's from uh, Susan. Jeff, my ICU RN wife is staying in Florida to work and set a good example. We miss sharing both our birthdays and Thanksgiving in the next couple days, but we think it's the best choice for us now. Jeff, we as a family are not doing anything since we have some high-risk people in the family. Also, personally, I've gone this long without getting this thing. I work retail. I don't want to take any chance of doing it now. Jeff, our plans have changed due to COVID. Uh, Let's see. A couple family members exposed in recent days, and one is sick with COVID now. Just going to be me and my mom. She lives with me, and we have a very small pod of people in our lives since March. Only five of us. We all adhere to strict protocols. Uh, Jeff, Thanksgiving tomorrow um, with just our adult kids tomorrow night. No extended family, not going to our parents. All of us have already had COVID. So if you had it and you've gotten through it, um, you're, you're in a better situation. Jeff, absolutely, I'm having a normal Thanksgiving. I refuse to let a virus with a high rate of recovery steal another minute of the precious time that I have left in, in my life. Jeff, we're having our immediate family only for Thanksgiving. Our daughter is flying home from college in Texas. She's having surgery the second week of December, so we have to keep it small so she doesn't get COVID before her surgery. Jeff, I'd rather be in the basement than in the ICU. Well, okay. Jeff, um, 20 people over, nothing is changing for us. So there's a wide variety of people out there who are approaching this in a different fashion. I guess the bottom line of all this is I think it's changing the way we all deal with things. And even if you're not canceling your even if you're not canceling your gathering, hopefully you know we're thinking about these things that we can do to make sure that we keep people as safe as, as possible, and, and maybe it's scaling it back a little. And hopefully by this time next year, we're, we're able to have that old-fashioned Thanksgiving party like I'm used to going to the night before Thanksgiving. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, when we come back, we'll find out what John McCure has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.